Hey, thanks for joining us online this morning. We're continuing our study in the book of Romans. April 23rd, 1985, Coca-Cola made the decision to switch from their old formula to their new and improved formula. Was this just for the late night comedians? Well, the jokes went on for 79 days until July 11th of that year when ABC interrupted primetime programming to announce that Coke had indeed switched back to the old formula. So, so Coke, which was it? Was it the old formula or the new formula? I raise that question because for the last few weeks in the book of Romans, we've talked about salvation by grace through faith as it's laid out in the gospel. Is that a, is that a new formula? Uh, was there an old formula in the Old Testament, and, and did Jesus switch when he, when he came, and as Paul picked up on the, the new formula? Uh, when did God establish the idea of salvation by faith? We're going to talk about that this morning. So if you've got a Bible, if you'd open it to Romans chapter 4, we're going to start in verse 1, we're going to go all the way through the chapter to verse 25, wrestling with this question, when did God establish the idea of salvation by faith. Now quickly, let's recap where we've been. Paul writes this letter to these Christians, to this church in Rome. He's never met these people. And he lays out on the, on the uh, front end that he isn't ashamed of the gospel. Why? For it's the power of salvation to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He goes on to say, and in it reveals uh, the righteousness of God, right standing with God. And then starting in chapter 1, he, he makes the case. He starts with the non-religious people, the Gentiles. He says, you know, even though they don't have any special revelation from God, God has made himself known in the creation. Well, then he turns to the religious people, the, the Jewish people. And he said, uh, though you've received uh, revelation from God, that doesn't put you in any kind of special status. You've missed it, and, and you've perverted what God has given you. You've taken the, the scriptures and the, the act of circumcision and made them a basis of salvation, and, and you're misguided. So in chapter 3, he, he laid it out that there's uh, no one who seeks God. None is righteous, Jew or Greek. All stand in the judgment of God. And we look at that and we think, that's kind of depressing. But in verse 21, and we talked about it last week, he made this uh, transition. He said, but there, there is a salvation that doesn't come through your works. It comes through the gospel, righteousness by faith. And he began to lay that out. And we might stop back and think, whoa. How long's it been like that? I thought the Old Testament, they, they had to follow all the rules. And so what God's going to, uh, what Paul's going to do is he's going to make the case that this has always been God's way. And, and to do that, he's going to uh, look at three examples or, or three case studies, if you will. First, he's going to look at the forefather of the Jewish faith, Abraham, and suggest it was always by grace through faith. Then he's going to look at David, Israel's greatest king. David took Israel to the heights. And so, you know, it's, it's always David was, salvation was by grace through faith. And then he's going to look at a religious act, circumcision for the Jews. And, and they were so proud of that. And, and they had been persecuted for that. And they saw that as a base of their salvation. And Paul's going to say, let's talk about the timeline. 
So that's where we're going. So let's jump in. In chapter 4, talking about Abraham, here's what Paul says. Verse 1, what then shall we say that Abraham, our father, according to the flesh, remember the flesh is everything we do apart from God, uh, according to the flesh, what has Abraham found? Well, Paul answers the question in verse 2. For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. See, Abraham was just kind of a happy pagan when God found him. And, and there wasn't anything outstanding or noteworthy about Abraham. God in his sovereignty chose him. And this was the faithful decision. This was the turning point. And Paul talks about it in verse 3, and he quotes Genesis 15, verse 6. Here's what it says. For what does the Scripture say? Abraham, here's our word, believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. For the past few weeks, we've talked about that the gospel, we're, we're credited righteous standing because God sees us not as us, but like Jesus. And I've talked about that. I've given the example of me being with the wealthy family, and I've talked about uh, the person co-signing for me. I, I received status that wasn't mine. They, they assumed I was part of that family. They looked at me with the credit score of my friend. And, and this idea of God crediting righteousness because of faith, because of belief, goes all the way back to Abraham. Abraham gets a status that wasn't his. God sees him as righteous. Then in verse 4, Paul lays out the idea that you can't have a works-based and a grace-based salvation. They are in conflict. Verse 4, now to the one who works, his wage is not credited as a favor, but what is due? So here's the deal. You got a job, and you're working 40 hours a week for $10 an hour. At the end of the week, your boss says to me, hey, I, I, got, I got a little favor. I got a little present for you. It's, it's in the envelope. And you think, man, that, that's great. And you open it up, and you, and you have a check for $400. Well, there's no gift there. You worked for that. The idea that you worked for something that's a gift, they're in conflict. Now, if there, there was a check for $450, then we could say, well, you worked for $400, and, and there's a $50 gift. But a $400 check and you work for 10 hours, $10 an hour for 40, 40 hours a week, there's, there's no gift there. Paul says the idea of working for something and, and receiving a gift, they're in conflict. Verse 5, then here's his point, but to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. That's, that's what Abraham did. He, he believed God and Paul says that, that extends to all of us. That's always been the case. You believe God. You give up on your works. You admit, I can't do it. I'm counting on your favor, God. You believe God, and, and you get right standing. So that's Abraham. Now we're going to turn to David. And again, David was Israel's greatest king. He led him to the heights, but David failed miserably. He sinned despicably. And in a, a time when he committed uh, both adultery and murder, he penned these verses in Psalm 32, and Paul quotes them here in Romans Four, verses 5 through 7. Here's what it says. But to the one who does not work, but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is credited as righteousness. And so he transitions into David. Just as David also speaks of the blessing on the man who God credits righteous apart from his works. Now listen, 
He's quoting Psalm 32. Listen to who the blessed and favored are. Blessed are those who lo- whose lawless deeds have been forgiven. The blessed person is the one who is forgiven. And those whose sins have been covered, the blessed of God, the favored of God, is, is the one who's forgiven, whose sins have been covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord will not take into account. Please notice. David is saying the blessed of God is not perfect, not flawless. They did great work. No, 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 no. The blessed of God is the one who is forgiven. And sins are covered. And it's one whose sins are not taken into account. Uh, these past couple weeks, I've been watching with my son The Last Dance. It's the story of the Chicago Bulls. Last year, they had six championships, and it's the focus on their 90 championship, the 97-98 year. And at the center of that is a player named Michael Jordan. He's unbelievable. The shots we make, the acrobatics, the, the ability is beyond. And because of that ability and shot selection and a capacity on the court, Jordan reaches elevated status. He worked for that. He performed for that. And that's how we think our world works. And then God comes in and he turns that on his head. And he says, nobody meets my standard. Nobody performs to get my favor. There are people who come to me in brokenness and need to have their sin forgiven and covered and not taken into account. So Paul's making the case, this idea of salvation by grace through faith, it goes back to to Abraham and it goes back to David. And now he's going to take on this religious merit badge, if you will, that the Jews had, this idea of circumcision. And they were people who were persecuted for their circumcision, and they think somehow that earns them favor with God. Starting in verse 9, Paul's going to say, ah, not so fast. Let's talk about the timing. So here's what he says, verse 9. Is this blessing of God then on the circumcised or the uncircumcised also? So there's the question. Who gets it, the circumcised or the uncircumcised? For we say, faith was credited to Abraham as righteousness. Again, he believed and he was given right status. So here's the question, verse 10. How then was it credited while he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Timing's everything here. Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. You see what Paul's saying? God picks Abraham out in his sovereignty. Abraham's done nothing significant. And he says, Abraham, I I need you to follow me, and, and Abraham says, I'll do it. And when he he states that faith. When he believed, he gets righteous standing. Now, at that point, was Abraham circumcised or uncircumcised? He was uncircumcised. And that, that's Paul's point. The idea that circumcision had anything to do with it is misguided. Abraham received his righteous status while he was uncircumcised. Then, when he's given this status, then circumcision follows. Verse 11. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of righteousness of faith, which he had while uncircumcised so that he might be the father of all who believe without being circumcised. So Abraham said, yeah, he, Abraham didn't get circumcised until after he had come to faith, until after he had right standing. And so Paul's now saying Abraham is a father to those who believe who haven't been circumcised. Those people are in the kingdom of God. 
that righteousness might be credited to them. And the father of circumcision, of those not only who are of the circumcision, but also followed in the steps of the faith of our father Abraham, which he had while uncircumcised. So what's Paul saying? Abraham believed as an uncircumcised person, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Then as a result of having this faith, he was circumcised. And so now, Paul is, or, or I'm sorry, Abraham is the father to those who are circumcised, the Jewish people, and also uncircumcised, the Gentile people. They are people of faith, even though they haven't been circumcised. You say, Andy, you know, that's, that's really an interesting discussion, but, but, but what does that matter? Because see, you and I can make the same mistake. We can think, you know, I, I believe in God, so I'm going to go to church. Going to church is a good thing. But it doesn't earn you right standing with God. We can very subtly turn things and think, if I don't go to church, God doesn't accept me. No, no, that's not true. God accepts us on the basis of our faith. When I was in high school, I prayed a prescribed set of prayers every night, and I would count them off. And I believed somehow if, if I got through these prayers, I was in. See, we're all guilty of having this religious activity that we do. And Paul's saying it was never the case, never the case. God, going all the way back, has always been salvation by grace through faith. So verses 13 to 15, Paul then says, For the promise to Abraham, or to his descendants, that he would be heir of the world was not through the law, not on what we do, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise is nullified. So if you think, yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and make it on my works on my own, and Paul says, if that's true, then, then it, it nullifies the idea that salvation is a gift by grace through faith. The, the two are in conflict. Maybe the easiest way to exemplify that is think about a, a track star. I'm talking high school, college level, uh, international star. I've never heard of a distance runner who might run the mile or two mile who also runs the 100 meter dash. To train for the distance on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and train for sprints on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday and say I'm going to take Sunday off. That, that's impossible. It's incompatible. The, the two are in conflict. The kind of muscle, the kind of endurance you need to build, you, you can't do it. And that's what Paul's saying here. The idea that I'm going to work for my salvation, I'm, I'm going to trust God too. It's, it's, you can't do it. You've got to do one or the other. They're, they're in conflict. And so this is a call. It has always been a call. Salvation by grace through faith. Here's what Paul says in verse 15. For the law brings about wrath. Where there is no law, there is no violation. Hey, the law has a, a purpose. It shows us our violation. It shows us our need. Think about getting a cancer screening that shows that uh, you have cancer. I, is that a bad thing? No, it's a good thing. It shows our need. The law has a purpose. And that purpose is to show us we need the grace of God established through faith. So here's Paul's conclusion. Then for this reason it is by faith in order that it may be in accordance with grace so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, not only those who are of the law, the Jewish people, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. So, we, we wrestled with this question, when? 
when did God establish this idea of salvation by faith? Is this new with Jesus? Is this new with Paul? No, no, no. It's always been the case. Faith has always been the basis of a relationship with God. And it's beyond the scope of this passage, but I could take us back to Genesis 3 in the garden where where humanity failed, Adam and Eve. And even then, God foreshadowed the coming of Christ. This has always been God's plan. So Andy said, well, you know, that, that's, that's all well and good, but, but, but what is that? Why, 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 why would I care? All right, so here's the deal. I, I've got a mutual fund. Uh, I'm an investor. I, I, I've created a mutual fund that returned 40% last year in the year 2019. And, and I'd like you to invest all your retirement with me in that fund. And remember, 40% last year. You in? You willing to put all your chips, all your retirement in with me? I hope not. I hope you're going to ask a question and say, Andy, what's the, uh, like, what's the 20-year return on your mutual fund? Eh, yeah, it hasn't been going that long. Well, can you tell me the, the, return on your te- the 10-year return on your mutual fund? Yeah, well, yeah, it hasn't been going long. How, how about a five-year return? Well, no. Well, how long have you had this, developed this mutual fund? A year. I think you're going to step back and say, yeah, I appreciate your return, but, but I need to see a little history here. Well, you know, this, this salvation by grace through faith, it's not a fly-by-night deal. That's always been the case. It's got a history, not five, not ten, not thousands of years. God has been calling people to himself and changing lives through it. And it goes all the way back to the time that God began to connect with humanity. And this idea that Abraham lived by faith was an event and it was a process. And and Paul's going to talk about that process because he comes to faith, but then he promises him that his descendants are going to be like the stars in the sky. But the, the problem is he and his wife, they don't have a child. And they're going to have to trust God for years. And so Paul talks, begins to talk about that in verse 17. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. In the presence of him whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. In hope against hope he believed. Talking about having a child. So that he might become a father of many nations. According to that which had been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body. Abraham was 100 years old. His wife was 90 when they had this child. Now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Thus it was also credited to him as righteousness. Abraham and Sarah had to take God at his word because they tried and tried and tried and couldn't have a child. And against the physical realities of what science said is true, they, they believed God. And in due time, he gave them a son named Isaac in, in the lineage of continued. Now if you read the record of Abraham and his wife Sarah, they weren't perfect. 
At some point, they got so discouraged, they said, why don't you take uh, my servant, Hagar, and, and they conceived a child. Abraham conceived a child with her, and his name was Ishmael, and boy, did that cause problems. And they were, they're, 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 their faith was not a, a perfect trajectory, but in the scheme of life, they continued to believe. They continued to trust God. And so what, what's, what's the application of this all? Starting in verse 23. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but also for our sake, also, what's true of Abraham is true of us, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in whom, him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. He who has delivered over, he who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. This whole act of salvation pointed to the coming of Jesus. And when we believe in him, we get the same righteous standing that was credited to Abraham way back in the day. So the question then is this. Salvation is an an event and a process. Have you believed Jesus? Because see, like Abraham, like David, your works will fall short. And you need to believe God and his gift of salvation that by grace through faith you can be restored to God. Boy, if you've never made that decision, I want to invite you to do it right now. The decision goes all the way back to Abraham and it goes all through the ages to the man or woman who would believe God gives right standing. But you know, this idea of salvation by grace through faith. It's an event and a process. We continue to live out our salvation and work out our salvation just as Abraham did in believing God that he would give he and his wife a child. So it's not like we come to salvation by grace through faith and then we do it on our own. We need to continue to trust God. And we get in trouble when we try and do it on our own. I came to faith in college and and I'm one who worries. So I would worry about my test scores. And, and uh, I had friends who would quote me verses about not worrying. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first his kingdom. And Rice says, all these things will be added to you. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing, but prayer and supplication, let everything be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And they're, they're quoting these verses to me. And honestly, I'm getting worried because I'm continuing to be worried. I, I'm trying to, i got to stop worrying. Well, that's not helping me. What I needed to do was take these principles and say, God, I'm falling short. Show me. What do I need to do? And over the years, what I found is my, my worry was based in, in, in trying to prove myself to my, my dad. I had two brothers who were, who were very successful, and I wanted my grades to show. I, I need to find my self-worth in, in God and, and, and not in my performance. But th- that was an issue of faith that I needed to take to the Lord. This idea that we come to salvation by grace through faith and then live some other way is just not true. Faith is to characterize our life all the way until we meet Jesus for a second time. You know, this COVID-19 crisis is pushing us. Things we love and things we knew and, and habits that we, we could live out without, go to a restaurant, meet friends, we can't do that anymore. And we're challenged and we're broken. And I would suggest to you, in faith, 
We need to go to God and say, this is where I am. I'm broken. Just like Abraham and Sarah, we can't have a child. I'm broken. God is calling us in this COVID-19 crisis to believe him, to trust him, just like we did in salvation. That's always been his plan. We live depending on him by grace through faith. You know, when I lived in Texas and graduated from high school in Houston, went to college in College Station, uh, there was ice cream down there that was famous. It was uh, called Blue Bell Ice Cream. The Little Creamery in Brenham. And you know what their, their tagline was? Um, not a lot has changed, or a lot has changed since 1907. That's when they started. But the formula for Bluebell ice cream has not. Look, a lot has changed in our world. But God's formula for salvation has not. It has always been and always will be salvation by grace through faith. And that's why Paul says triumphantly, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Man, it has history, has roots all the way back to Abraham, all the way back to David. Why? For it is the power of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and then to the Greek. For in it is the righteousness of God which comes by faith and faith. This is an idea that has history. It goes all the way back. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed. It has always been, always will be. God's mechanism to reconnect a sinful person with a holy God. I'm not ashamed. For it's what makes a person right with God. You've heard me speak before. You know I lost a, a good friend in college to a car accident. And here's how the accident happened. He was on a run. He worked for his uncle and he was delivering a part and he came up to the crest of a hill. And at that same time, the oncoming car drifted into his lane and hit him head on. He hung on for a couple days, but his lungs never worked. I found out through the grapevine, the lady who hit him was driving on a suspended license. She came out with a three-stitch cut above her eye, and that's it. You remember the funeral? After the funeral, we all went over to their house, and man, it was like a party. And, you know, we have all these friends who've been apart for the summer. Well, what'd you do for the summer? And, and it just, you know, it's sad, but you're, you're laughing and you're enjoying. But I, I was one of the last people to leave. I remember hugging the parents and hugging their daughter and thinking that's going to be a really quiet home now. Th this never happened. But can you imagine that driver coming to the parents and saying, you know, I I, I'm sorry, and, and I've got a, a child of my own, and I'm going to send that little boy over on, on Mother's Day and, and Father's Day, and he's going to be just like the son that you didn't have. I'm, I'm going to try and work that out. I'm going to try and, 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 and fill in the gap for, for the pain I've caused you. To do that would have caused offense. If that driver wanted to approach the parents and the sister, here was the one way she could have approached. I am so, so Sorry, will you forgive me? There was nothing she could do to win back the pain she had caused. In the same way, 
to think when we've offended a holy and perfect God, hey, I'm going to do this list of works and it's going to make it right. That's an offense. There's nothing we can do to win God's favor. We have one option to throw ourselves on his mercy and say, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? And here is the great news going all the way back to when God met with Abraham. If we will take God as word and believe in him, he will credit that to us and give us righteous standing. That's always been God's plan. And it always will be. The idea of salvation by grace through faith goes all the way back to when God created the world. Let me pray. Our Father in heaven, we're grateful for this reminder that this idea of salvation by grace through faith, it's, it's not a new one. It didn't start with Jesus. It didn't start with Paul. It's always been your plan. It's been the only way to reconcile a holy God with sinful humanity. Thank you that right standing, righteousness with God has been revealed in Jesus. And it says, his name we pray, amen.